0: Hi Linda. Hi Bill. How are you? Doing good. Doing good.
1: Trying to stay warm.
2: What?
1: Trying to stay warm.
2: Oh my. Yeah. That's been a problem. (laughs) But if you've got blue sky, it's a little more bearable. It is. That that I have noticed, so.
1: Yeah, makes it fun. I just brought another whole load of uh, firewood in, so got a fire in the fireplace. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, I George uh, is doing an HOA meeting right now by Zoom, and I looked over at our fire, and it was kind of like, yeah, we need another log. So I put a log in and then carefully put the big, you know, carrier for firewood real close to where he's sitting. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You need
2: to go get firewood.
0: (laughs) There it is. Yep. Ah. Constant chore.
1: Got up the energy, fed everybody, got it all happening. It's like the cow is happy and the mule is happy and they've got their oats out there tonight. So and the fire's burning. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: we're it's a good thing. hmm Looks like we got a full house.
3: Good evening, everybody.
2: Hello, how's Chris? How are you?
3: I'm good, a little cold.
0: <laughs> yeah. <all>. Hey. <laughs>
2: Chris, you guys have been putting in long hours with all of your regular work and then going to all these master plan events that are usually Zooming
3: in evening. That's yeah, it's, it feels like a long week this week. Yeah. Just because of the um, the night meetings and then we've been kind of busy. So today I actually got lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I made a point of saying I'm out of here. We're, we're done. So, um, yeah, it's uh, but they've been good meetings because you were both of them. Right. Yeah. And uh, I thought they were good meetings. So I did, too. I thought they went really well. And we're close to the end as far as closing things up. And yeah. I got asked today if there was going to be another south route meeting. And I was like, I think
2: we've done that. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is, I mean, depending on whether you're talking Oak Creek or Yampa, South Route is kind of the area saying at least Yampa is, we really don't want growth. And so feel free to send us some services, but we really don't want to get too engaged in encouraging people to come here, which is fine. But uh, it's kind of funny that uh, I know Oak Creek would like more help, but.
3: uh... Yeah, it's you just never know what people are going to are going to say. And, you know, and maybe five years from now, that'll completely change. Who knows? It could.
0: could. Andy, do you
4: have a question or? Yeah, you you are, Steve.
5: uh, You know, as with before, I work with four points engineering. They prepared most of the application it looks like, or the response to the letter, you know the plant the report. Um, again, I'm always willing to recuse myself. I have no, never been contacted about this particular project, and I'm not currently working on it.
1: So.
6: Uh, Andy, your comments are noted, but I guess you know what? There probably isn't anyone on the committee that almost couldn't make the same statement at least sure i can make that statement because i've used them before too so
0: yeah there's
5: a difference though you know a little bit when i work with them on projects directly and um as a consultant for them but you know well how about this
6: the 64 dollar question is do you believe that your relationship with four points will adversely impact your ability to make a decision
0: <laughs>
6: no well there you go then we're done
3: And keep in mind too, this is a consent agenda item.
6: Yeah, right,
0: right. Thank you.
4: So- this is a little strange. I feel like I don't have controls here. <laughs> Hold on. I can't mute you guys. What else am I gonna do? <laughs>
2: Well, what else would be new? (laughs) I know. Oh my
4: god. I
7: don't see anybody actually listed
4: as host, which is totally weird. Maybe because I went in through the agenda. Let me go out and come back in. Just yeah, because I can't
7: go go in through your Zoom account. That let let me do that. I'll I'll be right back. You can't, I can through your Zoom account. So
4: Okay. Yeah, no, let let me go in that way. One second. Okay.
0: Okay, we got a technical issue going on here. There's Roberta. Hello, Roberta. What did I do wrong here? So, ah, there you go. It says you're the host.
4: Perfect. That's what we needed. But let me just see if I, let me just make Sarah co-host just in case. We have Um, to be prepared for everything. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Um,
0: So Chris
6: Reed, do I have it in my head correctly that you with four points? Nope, Chris I'm the property owner.
3: Right, Chris oh. is the applicant.
6: Ah, you're right. Guess it says that right in front of me, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> so Chris, do we need um, to wait for Walter or not? you asking me or Chris Brookshire.
6: I'm sorry, Mr. Reed, Chris Reed, the petitioner. Yeah, Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't either, but I thought I'd confirm with you first before we. I don't know. I I haven't spoken with anyone at four points in a number of weeks uh, since Chris and I were conversing about this. So I I don't think you guys need to unless you anticipate anything. Uh, I'd say we should be just good to go. Great. Thanks. So it is a little after six. So before I start that, a bit of housekeeping. Um, As everyone is aware, this is a uh, public meeting. It has been posted in the pilot. It has also been posted on the Route County um, website. Typically, and in this instance, uh, the petitioner's property has been posted as well as Adjoining property owners owners have been um, advised accordingly or or informed. Um, Because this is a Zoom venue, we do things just a bit differently, but for the most part, everything works relatively well. A couple of things associated with the Zoom. We all would appreciate it if, unless you're speaking, uh, you remain yourselves on mute. Uh, When it comes to questions, should you have any questions, ideally, There is a raise your hand feature at the bottom of the Zoom screen. If you can't find that, um, raise your hand and we'll see you. And if we can't see you, just interrupt and we'll figure that out. But typically that's how that goes here and it works reasonably well. Um, Lastly, and I think that really covers it. um, Oh, one other thing but I don't think it makes too much difference here. If you've got a cell phone and that's on, if you're not on mute, that's gonna, show up, so mute that if you could, please. Other than that, uh, in terms of housekeeping, that concludes the comments. Uh, uh, one additional comment before we start. I think we all should be aware and sensitive to the fact that Christie's under the weather a bit, so let's cut her some slack this evening. <laughs> I don't know what she came down with, but I think it traveled through her family and she's the last one to get it based on what I think I understand. Thanks for
4: pointing that out, Steve. Is-
6: yeah, with those comments being concluded, I'd like to call to order the Route County Planning Commission meeting of February 3rd, 2022. Sarah, if you would be so kind as to call
1: the roll.
7: Uh, sure. Hey, Steve Warnke. Yes. Brian Kelly. I see you. See ya. Andrew Benjamin. Here. Roberta Marshall. Here. Bill Norris. Here. Greg Gager. Here. Linda Miller. Here. Jim DeFrancia. Present. Paul Weiss. Here. And Ren Martin.
6: Thank you, sir. For the record, we have a quorum. Um, first item on agenda after call to order. Public comment. Anyone who wishes to address any of the commissioners um, or the commission on any items that are not on the agenda this evening, now would be the time
8: to do so.
4: Greg has his hand raised.
8: Yeah, I have just a random question that's not gonna affect this project, but could be in the future. What happens if we have members of the public who do wanna make public comment for a consent agenda? How how do we go about
4: that? So, Chris, you wanna go ahead?
3: Yeah, we, it was, we just discussed this right before, well, emailed this right before the meeting. Um, we have, with our new regulations and with our new permit software, we have given the um, public two opportunities to speak to this matter. And we have heard nothing, and we have given them that chance. So if we received something today, it would be too late to be entered into the meeting at this time.
8: Perfect. That clarifies it for me. Thanks.
3: Yeah, little no confusing.
6: Um, okay. Hearing nothing from the public on any items that are not on the agenda, I'll move on to the consent agenda. Commissioners, again, one more time, be aware of that under the rules of a consent agenda, and unless you believe there's something or some reason that you or have questions that you would like it, the item moved off the consent agenda, and you have an opportunity to do so. But absent those comments or that request, um, at this point in time, the chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda as presented.
1: I move we approve the consent agenda as presented. Seconded.
5: Second. Second. did you have Joe? a question? Yeah, it- my, my question is more just a procedural one. The way that it's listed on the Planning Commission agenda for tonight is just a little bit different than how the consent agendas are usually uh, itemized. Um, usually, it, I believe it labels or says something like consent agenda and then items under the consent agenda that are being handled within the one approval. Am I correct in that?
6: I don't see what the difference is between what we're looking at versus what you're describing. Help me.
5: Uh, it wouldn't, it would say three items for consideration. The first, cons- the first item for consideration would read a consent agenda. And then under the consent agenda would have the items that are being considered. Again, it's just a point of order procedural question as far as how the agenda is laid out versus agendas that I've seen in the past.
7: Andy, I think, I think it's actually just a formatting issue in the, in in the way that it was written i don't think it has any material um difference i think it's just that the way that those outline formats are set up for the agenda um are just this way i mean you know it could be changed but it's kind of a pain so that's just the way it got done that's my guess and
3: and keep in mind this is the only item on the agenda as far as uh, a hearing process so there's no other items to put underneath the fact that we only have one item. Otherwise there would have been more language.
4: Yeah, as, as long as it says that it's a consent agenda item and it has the language after that of the procedure, um, we're fine. Perfect, thank you. Thanks.
6: So one more time, commissioners, um, chair will entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda as presented. Brian, did you not do that?
5: No it's already been, motion's been made and seconded so it's out there on the floor for discussion. Okay, who was the
7: second? About three people. Yeah, I didn't
6: hear a second. Jim uh, DeFrancia, yeah, I seconded. I think I was the first one to second. Okay. So we have a we have a motion um, and a second. Is there any discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all those in favor of the motion? To approve the consent agenda, please indicate by saying yes. Yes. Opposed, please say no. Chair votes yes. Consent agenda is approved as presented. Mr. Reed, I think you. you are that far.
3: Thank you, Chris. You don't need to stay on. We're done for now.
0: Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Uh, next item on the agenda. Christy, I'm thinking that's you. Where did you go?
4: Sorry, I was, the mute. we'll get you every time. Good night guys. Um,
0: bye Chris, see you later. Hi, Chris. Yeah.
4: Um, are you seeing the agenda up on? the screen.
6: We are seeing now the master plan series summary observations.
4: Super. Yep, that's it. Okay, so um, I'll just put this up really quick, and then I'll take it down so we can see each other as we talk. But um, basically, just want to go over the your observations from the municipal series. Um, most of you attended um, various Uh, different meetings that we had throughout the county. Um, I provided the summary in your packet. And then um, go over the virtual open house events that we had this past week. Um, Some of you were able to attend those also. And then um, go over. I just want to provide you some quick updates about the Union Pacific memo that we sent out, as well as just brief you on process updates where we're at in the process and then next steps. So um, actually what I will do is now share one other document. Uh, You see the master plan municipal series summary? Yep, super. that's it. All right, so, Thank you for all of you that attended these meetings. It was super helpful, and I think it was really valuable for you all to hear what some of our municipal partners um, had to say about the process. Um, You know, Hayden's main, you know, these highlights right here, but a lot of the conversation had to do with the three mile plan around the airport, um, which their goals seem to align with what we're hearing in the outreach up until this point. Um, for that area. One of the items that uh, we are thinking about is um, to have an overlay district, if you will, in that vicinity for some of those uses that um, we don't typically see um, or really have a place for out in the county. Um, It makes a lot of sense that it's on a transportation corridor. It's next to an airport within the vicinity of a growth center. Um, has the ability to hook up to water and sewer, and that would be for um, renewable um, energy-type even if we're considering landfill or recycling-type operations, light industrial, things of that nature. Um, So that was a lot of the context of what we discussed as well as just hearing what their issues and struggles are. The other main point that did come up is, um, and we've discussed this here too, is the issue that we see at the staff level with having public access to rivers and trails as a use by right. Um, That's how it currently is in the regulations. And, um, you know, I would, I would agree with Hayden where, you know, this is something that um, they have um, within close proximity to the town limits. They do have an access to the Yampa River, um, but in their opinion, it's not overcrowded and it's not an issue and it's an asset to them. And that's great, but we are seeing, and we all know that these these types of uses, um, trails and, uh, river access become completely overcrowded, and there's no oversight currently. Um, so it is something that staff has been considering whether there should be a permit process um, required as we move forward um, for these kinds of um, land uses. You know, just parking areas aren't even evaluated, traffic concerns, um, setbacks to the water. And um, one of the things that is happening currently is CPW and cattlemen's are reaching out to landowners um, to have um, river access throughout the county. And while that's great, you know, there is no oversight and that's that's the problem. So um, it's something that you know, staff, you know, we get the calls all the time and it is a concern to that, um, you know, with the off potential offsite impacts that are not evaluated. Um, so one of the ideas also that we were um, coming up with is when we went to the Route Recreation and Conservation Roundtable, there's a C in there now, it's not just RRR, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, they are, you um, You know, obviously there's a lot of conversation about trailhead management um, and they are um, right now contracted with a consulting firm that specializes in GIS mapping that essentially is like GIS on steroids with multiple layers and Lots of information, you know, that there could be trail cams, you know, at different areas so people know if something is overcrowded or not. Um, also, considering, you know, how each each place in the county is actually used. So, you know, if there's a lot of use at certain areas, it could be something that could be a flagged um, and maybe those ones are what can be um you know, we could flag that as well, for example, and Hayden, while may not be overcrowded and may not require administrative permit, but maybe other places closer to um, Steamboat proper um, would require an administrative review at a minimum. Um, So these are just some of the things that uh, we were talking about, and that was a lot of what that conversation um, entailed. Uh, Roberta, your hand was raised first, I saw you. You're muted. Okay. Yeah,
9: sorry. Um, I'm not that fast with the mute on
4: mute. It gets you every time. Oh. You're
0: remuted too.
4: <laughs> I totally muted you on accident. I meant to put your hand down. I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you're still muted.
9: Okay. I'm. Uh... I'm curious about the airport area. Could, do you know if if there is one property owner uh, where they want to have the big industrial slash commercial area, and if and it and it and if so, um, is it subdivided now, or is that just is your goal is just to put up a, a big overlay saying you know down the road we're going to rezone this uh, commercial industrial.
4: It it would be the latter. Um, As far as the city of Hayden, um, I don't know if they have um, uh, any applications at their doorstep. Um, We certainly have not been approached for a specific application, but I can tell you that there is very strong interest for um, solar companies trying to get bidding on the Hayden station project. Um, So it would be a reuse of that property and they um, are also looking to um, secure leases is the intent of surrounding properties for a solar farm out there. Um, So it is within the vicinity of the three mile plan. I can't really get, get into details Uh, because it's something that you could potentially see in the future, but it's an example of the kinds of questions we have gotten, um, and just thinking about, um, you know, future use of Hayden Station, um, you know, and talking with them as a stakeholder in the county. Um, We all know what has been put out in the paper and what their interest is, and that's for renewable energy. I think, uh, right now, they're looking to do molten salts, Um, but as I understand it, it would be a multifaceted um, renewable energy location. So um, I know that they, th- this company in particular has reached out to Hayden and the airport and they're just doing their preliminary work and Hayden station is going to be putting out an RFP um, this, later this spring um, for consideration of uses like this.
9: But but it's it's more than just Hayden Station, right? It's the whole, it's that whole flat area on the
4: right That's side of the That's correct. It would in. be essentially what we were thinking, and we'll get into really more um, detail for this. But it's just you know to update you of some of the things that we've heard, and you know what what's kind of um, what what we've all been thinking about could be a good land use decision in this area. Um, and it would essentially be an overlay within that three mile plan of Hayden where where uses like this could be appropriate. Did that answer your question? Yeah, okay. Uh, Brian?
1: Uh, yeah, and just point of information, most of you may be aware that there is a small fo- solar farm that they just put in this past summer on the west side of the airport project, just off the county road. Uh, My question was regarding the river access. There's the river access right where the water intake is for Hayden Station. And then of course the state park on the west side of town. What other river accesses are, are you referring to around Hayden?
4: Um, So the one specifically they were referring to is the one heading west right outside of town, and that is one of the projects that we were approached by by CPW and as of right now it's a use by right and um, and that's something that they feel is is an access and you know they they want um, to have that go through which which it will. Um, The concern is CPW has approached us on numerous other spots. And an example, um, which I'm sure you can all relate to, is going out on 131, um, just across from Windwalker, the golf course, that private golf course there on like the Big Bend, where you cross over the Yampa River, right there. And it's, you know, obviously concerning um, being how close to town it is. You would have prime river access, so just the the um, potential overuse of that land, um, and then it's just a horrible spot. I mean, you'd have to work with obviously. Um, it's a beautiful spot, but um, safety concerns is is really what makes it concerning. You know, um, with access to that area, um, so. Um, those are just examples, there are others throughout. There's one outside of um, Peaburg that um, just got approved actually. Um, I don't know if you know where that, before you get to um, Pittsburgh, where the train trestle is and you go underneath, it's County Road um, like, uh, 17 maybe, I'm not sure, but um, right under there along the Yampa River. And if you're familiar with that stretch on 131, um, It is definitely a concern with um, you know traffic coming out. It's there's um, I would say the topography and there's a pretty big hill there with high speeds. You know people coming in and out, and the bridge is really really narrow. Um, So these are just sort of the things that um, you know as we go through (laughs) and. Um, through this process, staff has made notes of things that, you know, we're going to want to discuss. Uh, Steve, you had your hand up.
6: A real quickie. Um, I have a note from the Hayden meeting that tells me that currently Hayden's regulations on short-term rentals are restricting it, restricting them to commercial lease zone properties only. Is that correct? Do I have that right?
4: Yeah, so... Um, okay. Yeah, you are correct.
0: No, that's all I want to know. Yeah. Thank you. Um,
4: Greg.
8: Yeah, my comments, just a little bit more of uh, what I've heard with the Pittsburgh uh, access as well. I heard that it's like kind of uh, a lot of fly fishermen are kind of joining a group and trying to get a lot of ranchers to kind of give them rights of access rights um, so that they can kind of start then having more areas to fish and doing things and then that will also offset some of the agro uh, agricultural costs and stuff so Mm -hmm. that it'll make them cheaper and have it preserved and from what i've been hearing too is like when someone uh passes away and then the property rights for another person in the family to get those is so astronomical Mm -hmm. that these you know, entities will come in for those river accesses so that people will be able to preserve their uh, land that they've had and then have that as an access. So I do think that that is a good conversation that, you know, people have been talking about. I think it's going to get more and more popular because of things like that.
4: Yeah, and and that's a good point, Greg. Um, That is also on our list. Um, We don't have to dive into... That tonight, um, I'll, I'll let you know what I'm what I'm thinking about um, when that would probably be a great conversation. But it's related to um, the conversation around what kinds of uses um, are appropriate to help truly supplement um, the ranching community. Um, you know we. It, what comes to mind, as we all know, are these wedding venues, right? And they were truly intended to help supplement incomes. But what we are seeing is, and what we get calls for all the time, it's people from out of state and more of like a corporate style wedding. And it's getting away from that, you know, um, true intent and, you know, really having that, the one that um, most some of you were part of the discussion for uh, the one on 131 that you all recommended denial for, you know, for good reason. And, you know, just didn't pass that sniff test. And, um, you know, so we do have, you know, our, uh, master plan policies and our regulations that you guys use to evaluate every application, you know, that comes before you and we can continue to maintain that. But, you know, we're just starting to see lots of these uses and things that we weren't even thinking about, you know, two years ago, let alone five years ago, we bring up hip camp, you know, and it's like a uh, short term rentals on steroids for camping. I don't know if you've checked out that website, but it's pretty alarming. And, um, you know, so there's all these kinds of things that we do want to have that conversation about uses. Um, but we can use the master plan for more conceptually about, um, the concepts and then, you know, the next step in this process after the master plan gets adopted, um, hopefully this summer, um, we will have to do a robust, um, Evaluation of our regulations to make sure that they align with what we adopted and that's really where we get into a lot of the nuts and bolts also when we're coming up with standards and things like that so um, it's going to be a fun ride. (laughs) Christy. Yeah,
2: I have a question that the uh, I think the one in Pittsburgh, if I'm not correct is. Part of a conservation easement it is, and so, if I understand correctly does. The rancher profit from giving other than they got a conservation easement, but they don't directly profit from fly fishermen coming onto the property to fish. They have, through the conservation easement, given that access, but it isn't like the glamping where they're paying a fee or something, or do I misunderstand that?
4: Yeah, no, um, you're, you're right. Um, th- there are a couple of nuances to that, but um, th- they get paid t- for their conserva- conservation easement that they are giving to CPW and Cattlemen's. Right. Um, right, but if people are coming in there, anybody, it's, it's, it's open to the public. It's not like specific to a certain like fly fishing company. However, right there are plenty of ranchers that do allow for um, these groups to come in and they get paid by that. And some of that, like fishing is a use by right, but when it's a commercial and it's an actual operation, they're supposed to be, um, they should have a permit through us.
2: I know there's even a group, I mean, I'm a member of Trout Unlimited and it's called Rare Waters. And Mm -hmm. it is ranchers who have now, they're not getting a conservation easement. They're taking their ranch and they have set up a a system to allow fishing and are getting paid for that opportunity. And I, I suspect though, where this all comes around from what we have to look at is, I think there is a big difference between a conservation easement Versus a rancher making a decision, for instance, to put their ranch into rare waters or to work with steamboat fly fisher or any of those others. Um, from a county perspective, I think um, we have to kind of look and see, you know, which, which you know, I, I don't want to look at which is better, worse, or anything else, but I think
4: they are two different animals. Yeah. Um, and, and these are going to be the kinds of conversations getting into that level when we evaluate, you know, A, should it be a use by right versus at what point does it trigger um, some sort of review? You know, I would I would think at a minimum, at least administrative review isn't so burdensome, but it still gets evaluated and it's still um, it's at the staff level. And it's something that um, I would sign off for, on or not based on, we still do referrals, people are still, there's notification to surrounding property owners because that one in Peberg I mean, that really upset a lot of the, the, the surrounding neighbors that were not, you know, happy about it at all. Um, and they weren't even notified because it's a use by right. Um, so, um, so at a minimum, there would be notification. I would have the ability to bump it up, if if that were, you know, if we if it was something I was concerned about based on our evaluation, if we got some um, got some concerns from the people that live there. Um, and then we also would send out referrals. So at least there, there is some oversight and we would be able to put some um, mitigating um, conditions onto the permit if necessary. So, I mean, that would be the start of the conversation. And then the next would be, okay, what would fall into that category, you know, or does it need to go? Is that something that you all would want to see and evaluate? Right? So, um Uh, You know, if anybody has any feedback or we can really just, um, you know, I I have that for our discussion um, and that's probably going to be in March and I'll, and I'll talk about what that will look like. Uh, Brian.
1: Uh, Christy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I didn't think every conservation easement necessarily came with the right of the public to enter a property.
4: It, it depends on, I guess, the conservation easement, but yeah. So um, CPW and, and Cattlemans actually is another one. Cattlemen's is allowing camping. They weren't talking to us, for example. Um, and this is where that whole hip camp comes in. It really just depends on the kind of conservation easement. Um, it, and, and it's funny, you call it a conservation easement, but you still allow some uses to happen on these conservation easements. So it, it really depends.
7: You know, and, um, I have some experience with this in each conservation easement, depending on how it's done and who holds the easement. I right. mean, each one is negotiated independently. There are not rules that say this is how one, this is how it has to be in order to be a conservation easement. It's negotiated one-on-one with the, the body that's buying that easement. Right. So all the terms are up in the air until that easement, the easement is a contract between the, the organization that holds the easement and the landowner. And so that um, those are individual negotiations that don't have particular guidelines, really. They're just they're between those two entities.
1: Yep. Yeah, And that's what I was getting at. That was my knowledge of it, too, that they were all individually negotiated.
4: That is correct. Um, So um, moving on to Oak Creek. um, I just realized that this was not in order um, of the dates, but apologize for that. So Oak Creek um, was one of our last, actually, municipal meetings. Um, Andy, you were there. Uh, We had one of the commissioners who attended and uh, actually, hey Walter, I see that you just joined. Hi, how are you? Good, Christy, how are you doing? Not bad. Um, Your application um, was approved um, during Consent Agenda. I don't know if you want to listen in on this conversation, but uh, just wanted to let you know. Thank you, I'll still listen in on this, appreciate it. Okay, no problem. Um, So we had, Oak Creek. And, um, you know, it was a, that was a really good discussion. It was one of our, um, better dialogue, I would say back and forth. Um, and one of my big takeaways here was listening to their, um, town board about, um, their concern, how, they they feel that they're really restricted just by the topography of where they can grow. And, um, you know, I was trying to explain that, you know, for you to grow doesn't necessarily mean that you have to annex and sprawl. You know, you can look at density and infill um, and different measures like that um, for, for, um, for future growth. You know, um, because some of when you look at their future land use map, there are areas that they identify for their future growth, but if you're familiar with the land, I mean, most of it's unbuildable, or there it's a private private ownership, um, like ranch land surrounding them and their concern was like that those people would never sell and never do anything with it and it's like well, you know definitely look at what you can do in your own community. Like what kind of density would you be comfortable with? And, um, and Andy, I don't know if you agree, but it, it, se- it seemed, as if they were like, huh. And like gave them something to like, think about. And they didn't necessarily have an answer of what kind of density, but you know, what, whether they wanted to look at reduced setbacks or um. Higher, you know, look look at their um, bulk requirements for their buildings or splitting lots, having smaller lot sizes, things like that. Um, So they seem to be, you know, amenable to those kinds of things. And then obviously we heard a lot about um, uh, just the transportation and Oak Creek Canyon, um, which was one of their priorities uh, for transportation. Andy, did you have anything to add to that?
5: No, I think you covered it pretty well. I mean, we have a lot of developable lots right now that are not being utilized. And so there's a lot more questions, I think, within the community about why that's occurring. And just like you mentioned, I mean, right now a buildable lot in Oak Creek is considered two lots. Um, by simply breaking that down to one, how many additional buildable lots could be developed through infill? And I think. Um, in the future Oak Creek really needs to look at infill before annexation.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the other point, um, you know, which there was a a discussion just about um, economic development is really important to Oak Creek. And I had said, you know, the existing plans in place, our existing master plan um, helps leverage the municipalities right now, specifically, you know, and Oak Creek. Um, because we have those policies that we direct growth and development to the growth centers, um, and then so we're basically giving over, you know, the tools to the municipalities, you know, to help help spur their economic development in each of those communities. Um, and at this point, from what we are hearing through the outreach, you know, our overarching philosophies in the existing master plan, I don't feel are going to change. So that they seem to be with that as well um, steamboat springs i think there was a bunch of there was a lot of people on that call so i didn't catch everybody who was there but i believe um, that there were several of you that attended that meeting um, and you know one of the um you know they were obviously happy to hear about um the prioritizing, you know, the core trail and, you know, mobility in all respects was, you know, um, I think something that they, um, were happy to hear about. Um, and then this past Monday, I sent you all an email. There was a joint discussion with city council and the board of county commissioners, and they asked me to provide an update centered around mobility. Um, And they, they they were all really happy to hear that the community strongly is supporting, um, looking at trails as more than just a recreational component and, and also as a another mode of transportation and um, extending the core trail in both directions but specifically with the emphasis to um, west steamboat and then they asked john snyder um, from the city to make a presentation of where they're at with their core trail west project Um, so that was interesting to hear uh, that project moving forward um, and they're just trying to secure funding sources and finalizing engineering and then working with the Brown Ranch on that. So if you didn't um, catch, I couldn't see who was on the call um, during that, but if you did miss it, the presentation is available on the county's agenda for Monday and you can read through and get all the details on that project. um, If if anybody's interested, my update was more high level of what you've heard about mobility. overall, and specifically, you know, the, the priority of what we're hearing for um, the core trail. So um, uh, I don't know if anybody had any, anything to add for Steamboat. Nope. And then for Yampa, those of you who had the pleasure of, of uh, listening in on or being part of that conversation, that was interesting. Um, I, Bill was there um, in person and so was Commissioner Corrigan. And uh, this, we did this early December actually. And uh, it was interesting to hear as Linda pointed out earlier, the opposite um, of their priorities. And that is essentially not, um, they don't wanna grow. They don't want um, more population or housing but they want services. So um, you know it's kind of an oxymoron, but um, you know we'll we'll see what happens. Um, however, when they saw this list, um, Mary Alice, um, who currently is working um, as planner for Hayden, she'll be retiring at the end of March. Um, she is hired as a consultant for Yampa, and they're going to be um, embarking on their master plan process. And so she emailed me yesterday to say that um, she wanted to run by these bullets that you know we put together because she wanted to be sure that's really what they meant. Um, so apparently they were having a conversation last night, and she was going to follow up with me. So. It, this this could change some. Um, it, I guess if they really think about you know uh, their master plan and you know what their future growth looks like or not in Yampa, so I will provide that update when I get it. Um, let me just stop sharing my screen here. Okay, so that was the municipal update, and now. Um, those of you that were part of the virtual open house events. Oh, Brian, do you have another question? Or did I not put your hand down? Just
1: a quick one. Uh, you know, we've talked about Yapa, Oak Creek, Hayden, Stagecoach, and I know we have a couple members from up in North Route, and I used to live up there, but we haven't really talked about North Route. And there's still quite a few undeveloped lots up there, more than in Oak Creek and Yampa combined by far, I believe. If I'm, running my, the numbers in my head right, and yep. just the possibility well, of a future growth area up there.
4: Um, sub-area plan. Yeah, well, there is a sub-area plan um, currently. So there's the upper elk. Uh, we will be evaluating that plan uh, through this process. And we did um, we did have an event up in North Route. Um, if you recall, when we did our community meetings we went to north route we went to west route we went to south route and we had one in steamboat proper Um, and then we hit all the municipalities and then the events that we had this past week were for our target growth areas and those were centered around what are already in our existing master plan as our potential growth areas Um, but through our you know analyzing all the data that you know, we have gathered up until this point between input and just looking at the mapping and what our water scenario is here in the county. Um, everything is pointing to West Steamboat and Stagecoach would be the most appropriate for future growth areas. Um, North route um, hasn't been considered for two main reasons. Um, one being that um, the entire basin up there is overappropriated. But there's no infrastructure currently there to support. Um, you know, if you're referring to stage co- uh, steamboat lake subdivisions, only filings one and two, is that right, Steve? Right? Or oh, part of two, maybe all of one and part of two has actually water and sewer. So, um, and to my knowledge, <laughs> Steve correctly. And actually, me if I'm that's wrong. not even
6: quite correct. Only part of one. There you and go. part of two,
4: there
6: you go. Have sewer and water available to them. You can't even don't go that all route because that's not true. Yeah, and I frankly, I don't see, at least based on experience and based on current knowledge, I don't see Steamboat Lake Water and Sanitation District expanding services. No. So I think and frankly, I mean, you see it, we all see it the growth that's taking place up there is one of two. It's either on existing one-acre lots that are in fact serviced by sewer and water or it's consolidation of five-acre lots. Get you fresh,
9: okay.
6: So that's kind of the way that's been going.
4: Yeah, Andy, you have a question.
5: I think it was more just a comment maybe about um, the stagecoach discussion was big in Oak Creek about what was going to be occurring out there. And it's another one of those situations where the lot number of lots available is staggering, um, but the lack of services is probably going to be the biggest limiting factor in that ever becoming a growth center. And you know, as far as it possibly incorporating and becoming a town, you know, I personally felt that that was maybe a little bit challenging. They have trouble even getting a quorum within their homeowners association to kind of get some things done and so um it does seem like west of steamboat gets all the uh, as far as having probably the the largest likelihood of being developed um, at least in the near future as a growth center and you know i think i think sarah pointed it out last time it's close to the existing job market so it makes sense logically to kind of focus attention over there. And, um, it's been, it's been the target for the last 20 years or something. Um, I still say that that a growth that occurs there will potentially limit other growth centers in the County from experiencing any real meaningful growth for the next, I mean, that could be 30 years. Okay.
4: Thank you. Um, so, um, uh, the stagecoach event, there were about, um, I was definitely multitasking, um, but I believe there were about 41 attendants. Um, I believe Greg, I was able to see you, um, on that event, I think you actually were at both. Um, there might be some others and I, I didn't notice, so please um, jump in, but um, you know, definitely I was shocked how many people actually attended that meeting. Um, I was not expecting that amount and for sure we were expecting um, a, a big attendance for West Route and that was much less. I don't know how many count how many I counted on the call last night, but maybe it was around 20. Yeah,
8: Let's say 25,
4: 25. Um, and, uh, you know, the input that we got at both events actually was really valuable. Um, I would say the conversation there was way more um, input and. Um, Conversation for the stagecoach event versus West Steamboat, um, but regardless, um, I, I was happy with the turnout for stagecoach specifically, um, and then the kind of feedback was really what I would have expected for West Steamboat. Um, I was—we were trying to be very careful about that event because we were right on the curtails of a uh, coattails, that is, of um, of the Brown Ranch discussion that happened the week before and there is a lot of confusion of the two different you know what what's happening Brown Ranch is very specific you know and there is Yampa Valley Housing Authority that is you know in charge of that um, from a design standpoint and um, uh, what that will look like and whether or not it will be annexed but you know, West Steamboat still has 540 plus acres that is in the county. Granted, that does include, you know, your subdivisions of Heritage Park and uh, Silver Spur and um, Steamboat 2. There's also the 35-acre school property, you know, that's in that area. Um, But it's really, if that area has been identified as a potential growth area all this time, right? And moving forward, you know, what, what kind of density and services does the community want to see? And what does that look like? And that's what we were really trying to, trying to gauge, you know, whether that is, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now. Um, So um, that was really interesting to see. And then for me, for stage coach, what What I was really curious to see is based on the uh, application that we had for that subdivision, which was quite controversial, where we had all of these people opposed to a subdivision for housing in an area in the north area of, of Stagecoach that had services, infrastructure, roads to support it. And the community came out, we had how many people opposed to that application you know, and it's identified as a growth area, you know, what kind of response were we gonna get? And we didn't get any of that. I, I I didn't hear anybody say that they didn't want like housing or services in the North area of Stagecoach. Yes, there are concerns and problems specifically with the South area, all the vacant lots and services that don't extend. But when you read that community plan, which was adopted in 27 for Stagecoach, you know, the focus is around that North area for it to be um, a potential growth area, um, not for the entirety of Stagecoach right now, unless services are extended to the South area. Um, So people did want to see more um, uh, commercial retail type services in Stagecoach. We tried to gauge, you know, what that looked like. Are you, you know, obviously nobody wants to see big box, but you have to ask the question, like what big box, a Clark store, you know, something in between. And, um, I think it was more of the Clark store and, um, you know, more coffee shops, right. I, how many people like wanted just a place to congregate and to hang out. Um, so, you know, I, I thought it was really good, Greg, go ahead.
8: I really liked having Irene over at the uh, on that uh, meeting because she was kind of potentially gonna do a commercial zoning uh, store over there and then through the whole process, and it was mostly actually the HOA, which it made it sound like, and her getting sued by the uh, person who owns the ski resort uh, that basically made her uh, ditch her efforts to do any kind of commercial over there. And I thought that was pretty interesting how much that HOA, like Andrew is uh, saying, it, it's not not communicating what they want to do with anything, and it's making it really hard to get any kind of commercial. And we are kind of supportive of it, but we can only do so much. And a lot of their covenants and stuff like that really are dictating some of that development growth that um, they, they just can't happen because of it
4: yeah that was um that was a huge discussion when we went through that plan update in 2016 it started in 2017 and if you recall or how it was is that the only commercial property was in the hands of one landowner the ski area and so that really was the deterrent for years and years from anything ever developing because there was no ability um, to allow for any sort of commercial anywhere else um, in the state, stagecoach area. So those of you that were part of that process in 2017, what we ended up doing is building in um, basically standards for to allow some flexibility for a retail type operation um, anywhere in the north area if you met specific standards. And basically the first one in would get it. And, um, and so like you would have to be able, you had to be located in the north area. You had to be able to hook up to water and sewer. You had to have access to a county road um, and, and you had to have available parking. And so, and then that would come before you all and, um, and, you know, and that would be evaluated. So that's what we ended up doing with the Stagecoach community plan. And my takeaway from the event the other day was that that plan isn't too far off from what we've heard and what the community wants. I think it's pretty close. I do know that we do need to look at the future land use map and, um, and, you know, further evaluate the future land use map. And then, you know, there's other things that I think that we can look to
5: uh Andy, go ahead. Um, I had a question about something you you mentioned, and it might just been an an offhand remark, but you said something about maybe west of Steamboat not annexing. Would that ever be realistic?
4: I mean, so our plans all say right now, the master plan, West Steamboat Area Community Plan and the Steamboat Springs Area Community Community Plan all align right now in that it supports growth and development through infill and annexation. And so it says urban level densities would need, it supports urban level densities, but through annexation. Um, the conversation um, that has, you know, been on the table is there's always the off chance that Brown Ranch does not get annexed. Um, we we've seen it before, you know. You just never know what's going to happen, and if that does, I know the appetite for the county commissioners would be to have it developed in the county, and that's kind um, of a scary thought. Yeah.
5: Well, it's just interesting because it brings back into the discussion. The ch- it's not a challenge but some of the interesting decisions we've had in the past where some of these annexations have been opposed by the city of Steamboat Springs uh, planning and then they've come back the applicant has come back to us as is their right within the county yeah. um, and we've approved it and that's one of the things that I was hoping some of this master plan discussion would kind of help clarify that a little bit because um, sometimes it puts us in direct opposition with the the very thing that we're supporting.
7: Um, um, can I interject something um, regarding, regarding the Brown Ranch in particular? And that is that um, at this point, the city has directed its staff to work with the housing authority, not as an independent applicant, but rather as a partner with the city regarding the development of Brown Ranch. And so it's a little different than a private developer coming in and approaching the city as an outsider because the, you know, the housing authority is being considered a partner of the city on the project, not the other way around.
4: Yeah, yeah. And, and with that, I mean, you do have now, uh, uh, how many city council members just got in all running on supporting the Brown Ranch annexation? And that I believe is a majority. So there, there is that too. Um, but um, it is something that has been in the back of my mind that, you know, as we are going through this update of the master plan and we're talking about West Steamboat, I mean, we do need to, you know, we we have this old notion of, okay, we don't, we don't have design standards, you know, because we don't do development. And you know, and that's why our master plan—it's pretty simplistic, and it's great that way, you know. Um, but if we do get an application like that, we we would be in a really hard hard place right now because we don't have regulations in place for that kind of thing, and that's something that I think we do need to seriously look at that because we've just gotten lucky over these years that you know, um, you know. West Steamboat hasn't developed to its fullest potential as it has been outlined in all of these plans and policies um, or in Stagecoach, you know, uh, another one, you know, um, but, you know, and when I mean design standards, I mean, we don't even have, we don't even have, um, what did you see most recently? Um,
5: landscaping uh, uh, like standards. Landscaping, thank you. We don't even <laughs> have, land,
4: you know, <laughs> yeah. And that's just an example. And that's that's actually a minor thing that like could be addressed at the staff level, but I mean, you know, curbs and sidewalks and gutters and, you know, lighting Our like lighting code is like really bare bone. I mean, yeah, it's great that downcast lighting, super, but, you know, is it dark sky compliant? Is it, I mean, all of these things that, you know, we should be including in our regulations, but it's just always been this philosophy. We don't do development. You know, we're a preservation plan. And, like, while yes, a lot of that is true, there are areas where you could see a commercial development. I mean, Peberg has um, commercial lots, and there's been a lot of interest. Um, You know, we we got a site plan that you're going to be seeing soon. I can't really get into the details, but you know, these are the kind of things that, you know, we really just need to be thinking about when we're evaluating these kinds of applications. We barely have parking standards. So, uh, okay, Brian, Roberta, and Steve.
0: Just a
1: quick point of fact, and I don't know what became of them, but obviously Heritage Park was developed in the early 90s, and then Silver Spur or Silver View Estates was developed, you know, 10 years later. And those have both been very successful developments in the county. Where did those standards go? I, I guess is my question. And I so, understand they could be outdated at this point.
4: Yeah, they're, they're really outdated and Heritage Park is a PUD. So um, so that was evaluated um, on another scale. Um, and as far as Silver Spur, um, there is no sidewalks. Um, there's no good, like, there's no there's no requirement, so it's really up to the developer, and then it would be up to you guys, and staff making recommendations to say, hey, we want to see this, and um, you know, we we can work with it, but it's really good to have actual standards and design criteria um, that speaks to this, and um, you know, th- those are all good points. I mean, yes, they did come through, and they work. Um, but they're also, um, you know, surrounded by ranch land versus, you know, um, a true like suburban or urban level densities. So, uh, Roberta.
0: Um, I. Oh, you're muted. Am I muted? Can you yep. Yep. Good. Yep. okay so um i was just going to say can't
9: we just use puds i mean something the scale of west of steamboat it really it lends itself to a pud process and the fact that they city has hired all these consultants that will you know overlay land use planning principles i I'm, i have to believe that's what's going to come before either the county or the city is something you know a uh, uh, what in other states they'd call a specific plan or an area plan that's very detailed.
4: Yeah, I mean, if a subdivision did come through or if it was Brown Ranch into the county, we would only be able to process that as a PUD right now because our alternative is a land preservation subdivision and that's not gonna work. Um, Or our minimum is five acres, but we don't even allow for MRE zoning districts outside of Stagecoach and or um, up in um, Steamboat Lake area. Steamboat Lake, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, to that would be the only alternative would be a PUD, and not you know, and we can argue whether that's good practice or not, you know. But that's what we would have to work with. So we do have an option. It's just you know, um, we're not equipped for it currently uh steve
6: i may not and this i suppose is a bit of a philosophical question and i don't pretend to be sitting on a city council or whatever at peberg or any of those communities but why would you fight the annexation isn't that additional revenues into the coffers of the city i mean as opposed to letting it go to the county that's the part that's got my head a bit boggled what am i missing
4: yeah it's We'll we'll say politics. <laughs> that's I mean, the, that's I mean really yeah no I mean enough. I I have my I mean there's 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 a lot to it um you know the brim gray I mean it just an annexation process should not take it should not be a four year process No, that is I, crazy well,
7: but but that's kind of the point I think of the city designating to its staff you know, that it wants to work with the housing authority as a partner, not as an adversary in the development of the Brown Ranch. I think
4: that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Brian, go ahead.
1: It's pretty simple, Steve. And I know Walter's listening in, but the, the city generates its money off of sales tax revenue, not property tax. They don't have property tax. The county does have property tax, uh, you know. But- I think that's that's fixable. That's fixable. I understand. I understand. But it's really about the revenue stream that they subsidize development in the city. And like you said, it is fixable.
0: Yeah. Okay.
6: I think politics was the better answer.
4: (laughs) Uh, Andy.
5: So I kind of feel like you came full circle back around to. What I was saying before is is that in the example of some other annexations that we, or some other subdivisions, and these were very small, six lot, five lot, two lot subdivisions, I I felt that in one of the cases, I actually opposed the approval of the subdivision because within our master plan, if it's within the urban go- growth boundary and it's suitable for annexation, then we're supposed to support it. And the city of Steamboat Springs not wanting to annex that particular property kind of puts us in that opposition, even though it's the, the developer's right to come in front of us and ask for that approval. And so um, I kind of agree with what Sarah says that you know it's, it's unlikely that this won't see annexation um, but in the event that it did not get annexed and it came in front of us in, in the form of a PUD, it would be reasonable to consider a denial based on the fact that the master plan supports that development with the coupling of annexation. If I, I, I'm correct in that, right, Christy, like the master plan wants you to annex that property versus developing it within the county.
4: Yeah, to have urban level density and have city services, um, you would need that to support urban level type density. Um, so yes to that. Um, again, some of the applications that you're talking about there are again, nuances to that, but, um, but conceptually, yes. Greg, go ahead.
8: I was pretty shocked at the West uh, steve Oak conversation I thought a lot of people would have been a lot more uh, accepting to being annexed from Silver Spur and Heritage Park and that more people would actually want to be part of a steamboat once Brown Ranch and all that kind of has been talked about so much. But I was pretty shocked with the opinions of people really just want it to be Brown Ranch annexed and nothing else.
4: Yeah, Yeah, that question did come up. Um, I wasn't able to catch all of the dialogue that was going on, Um, again, multitasking, but but those summaries are gonna be available um, very soon. The recordings, if you didn't catch them, they are on the Navigate Your Route website. So we did upload them to the website so you can watch them or if you wanna save yourself some time, you can get the uh, abbreviated versions uh, through the summary uh, once they're available, and I'll definitely pass those around and we're gonna put them on the website also. Um, so I didn't catch all of those comments, but I mean, from the polls, yes. So um, those of you that were, you know, that participated, we did a bunch of polling type questions, which, you know, was really great to see the feedback. And then, you um, uh, and then also like open-ended Q and A, um, and that's where you know we had the chat open, and then also people were raising their hands. So as we had the consultant team that was handling a lot of the chat, um, while I was kind of more um, on hands answering questions. Um, but one of the questions, just to finish up this topic, uh, we did put in there um, the question about short-term rentals um, at both events, and basically the question: Hey, should we continue? our policy to not allow them and strengthen our enforcement of short-term rentals? Or should we open up short-term rentals um, consideration for, through a permit process in designated areas um, in the county? Um, for example, maybe like we bring up as an example, the treehouse neighborhood or areas. Linda's like, no, don't do it. <laughs> um, she knows. <laughs> The uh, tree treehouse is my nemesis dealing with short-term rentals. Um, and we have a divided neighborhood, as she knows, that there are people that are strongly in support and people strongly opposed in that neighborhood. It's nuts. But uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, we posed the question and... Um, I guess I wasn't surprised by this at all, but there was strong support at both meetings to that question. I don't remember exactly what the numbers were, but like upwards near 80% that want us to continue our current policy to not allow them. So I just want to share that with you all um, as well. Um, I know most of you, because we've had these conversations, um, I know your Thoughts on short terminals, but I don't know if anybody thinks the opposite. If you do, let us know. Um, but we're also going to be, um, you know, posing this question to our technical advisory committee, and then um, we're thinking about another short survey on just some of these like gap items um, that we may want to put up to the community um, and really just, you know, help support. Most of your all thoughts on short terminals, which again, like I said, just because we've down this road, um, but also I know um, you know the commissioners also are um, are I know, I would say collectively, but I know strongly at least one commissioner, and I do believe they have support that does not want to allow short terminals and wants to strengthen our enforcement and I think they would like the community to help drive that decision, if you will. Um, And so if you're hearing it from the community also strongly, I mean, of course you have people. He's crumbling paper behind me, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) um, So I will let you know, um, that will come through in the survey uh, through the summaries, but then also um, when we put together this um, last survey, you'll get that information as well. So um, the, I also want to talk about the Union Pacific memo that you all were copied on. As I haven't, I told you all and was in the um, email, we've had preliminary discussions um, and we drafted that memo at their direction of our wish list. And um, you know we, we put together some stakeholders. So we met with Kevin Booth from the airport uh, the airport director, Mike Morty, who's our public works um, director, Jonathan Flint, who's the transit manager for the city, Sarah Jones, who is um, basically now, um, she's not head of the ski area, but um, she's their sustainability person. Um, I don't actually know her actual title, I apologize, but Sarah Jones at the ski area. Um, And so we all got together um, just getting information and facts. And then we ran it by, you know, the commissioners um, because this could be political. I wanted their um, go ahead. That is this appropriate for me to be, I'm not negotiating, but should it come from me through this master plan process? And they said, go ahead. And while I was at it, um, they gave me emails and I sent a copy to Dylan Robert. Our representative, as well as Hickenlooper's office and Bennett's office. And um, I just want to share with you some of the feedback that um, I mean, I want to say that I am a total realist. Um, but, you know, with this, I'm like, What's what's the harm in trying, right? And if we can use the master plan, you know, just to at least start the conversation, as we know, the master plan isn't going to create these developments. It's not going to, you know, create, you know, passenger rail, but at at a minimum, um, you know, it's definitely something that can start the conversation and network and get the right people connected to talk about this. And then people that get paid way higher than me can figure it out. So, um, but the feedback that we got from um, Dylan Roberts said that he had a good conversation with Union Pacific at an event in Denver a few weeks ago. And they seemed very positive about movement on this. And he urged them to strongly keep moving it forward and then um, uh, Pick and Looper's office responded that um, they're excited about this concept and that they met with the guy Nathan that we sent the email to. So he is the regional UP um, rep, he is out of Utah. Um, and so they met with him a few weeks ago on another topic, but he brought up this project idea, you know, and said that. They've been you know coordinating with us. and he seemed really curious and open to learning more um, and they wanted just to keep us um, in t- keep us in the loop and anything that they can do, you know, um, feel free to reach out. So um, again, uh, we'll see where that goes. Go ahead, Brian.
0: Uh, I congratulate
1: you, Christy, on getting even this far with Union Pacific. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I mean, great, great job. Yeah. Um,
4: you know, Sarah, what, what, Sarah, you know, is part of this process as well as, um, Robin, um, who's been helping out the master plan. Um, she's been able to pull some strings as well. Um, just from her background and knowing some of the players. So, um, that, you know, definitely has been super helpful. So, Um, yeah, it's impressive to even get them to, um, to have a conversation, but that kind of started through reaching out through Dylan and, um, and then he put us in contact with, um, one of their liaisons and then this, uh, gentleman, Nathan as well. And, um, and then, you know, my, my feeling is definitely what is on their radar is a ski train that is like, definitely they, they, their eye is on the prize. They're seeing how successful this was in winter park. Um, and so they also want us to put in, in contact with, um, Pearlman. Um, so I know that that conversation was had and then, you know, we're like, well, while you're at it, you know, um, we also spoke with uh, Moffat County and their economic development, um, person over there. And, um, And so what they're looking to put a lot of energy into is um, manufacturing in Craig, and and their interest is to reuse the rail lines um, when the coal industry um, transitions out and have a focus on manufacturing and um, freight. So the fact that the, the rails, this wouldn't be light rail that we're shooting for, because that would be a whole change to the kind of rails that we have. So it would be a passenger and freight, would, which wouldn't require a reuse. Um, it would be a reuse of the rails, but it wouldn't have to be new infrastructure. Um, so that is what we're thinking about. And then I think I shared with you the idea, uh, my, my ultimate goal at first was just, hey, trails, rails to trails you know um, and they are not interested in that at all they see dollar signs this is an asset to them and they're already thinking about like connections is what they told us to like veil and all the other ski areas so we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes yeah, um, my,
1: my go only ahead. point in raising it was just that obviously like you said coals on the way down it looks like but Using those tracks and how limited the highway dollars are, even with the latest infrastructure bill, right? To get the commuters in from Craig and Hayden, you know.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, It checks a lot of boxes, it really does. So, um, yeah, we'll see where we go with that. Um, So, just to update you on process updates. Um, We met with our technical advisory committee in January um, and um, we're gonna provide them a a short survey on some of like the land use topics that we've talked about. Um, For example, you know, when we were just talking about the river access and also uses that may be appropriate out um, on ranching type properties and things like that. Um, And I'm interested to get their feedback, which we'll share with you. And I think that will set us up for our next conversation. So um, what we are thinking is in March that... um, um, That we will be able to um, put together a meeting Now that we have finalized our outreach and we with these rounding out these two past events that we had, we're putting together a it's almost done a community assessment report based on all of the data that we got. And then we want to present that to you all. And have that conversation. You know what belongs in the master plan. You know, out of out of all of this, and what should we, we prioritize. You know, do you think that we have any gaps? You know, we'll give you our assessment also. But have that conversation at that time, so you can read the report, and then we can have that um, more robust conversation. Um, in the meantime, uh, Steve and I continue to meet monthly with the executive management. Um, team, if you will. Um, it's myself, Steve, Beth Melton, and Jay Harrington, who is the our new county manager, who is fantastic, by the way. Um, he has a planning background um, and loads of experience. So um, he's he's been really great to you know, just sit in. And he also, I think I had told you, has experience with our consultants. Um, so one of our consultants used to be his boss. Um, down in Carbondale. And uh, she's one of the trustees there. And now she is, she's on the consultant team. So she's for, um, uh, that's Heather Henry. Uh, So anyway, it's been great to have his insight. And I think Steve would agree with that. Um, So basically, you know, just, it's been a good way to coordinate between planning commission and the board. So we don't have to have Um, multiple joint meetings, and it's a good way, you know, for Steve to hear, you know, um, from the commissioners and vice versa. So, um, so that's been pretty helpful. Uh, Let's see. And then next steps the community assessment report. So I covered that as well. So um,
0: how do you all feel about the process up until this point? All right. All right. I'd say we very well done. You're doing a great job.
6: Thank you. I appreciate um, that. I'll interject this too. I and mean, I might have been a bit suspect when we start getting involved with consultants, because I'm always a little apprehensive about a who's going to run the show is the consultant yeah. or are we going to run the show? And I'm going to tell you at this point in time, I'm quite convinced that we're running the show. They have stepped in doo-doo, shall we say, every now and then. Yeah. He does a nice job of backing him down and getting him back onto the right path. Um, but I'm also, it, it's kind of just pure coincidence, but I'm in a nice position right now. I'm in a position to observe what's going on almost firsthand in Carbondale and Glenwood Springs. And Cushing Terrell is actually in Glenwood Springs right now, doing almost damn near the same thing other than it's for Glenwood Springs. And I think they kind of do have their act together. Um, And I'm guessing at some point in time, they'll approach us with this, but right now they offered kind of an interesting, interesting approach. The concern that Cushing, Terrell and the community had was not everyone has access to online services or the ability to view the internet and get to it. They set up what they call reading rooms in four or five locations in Glenwood Springs where the public can come in and actually read the final drafts of the master, or the semi-final unapproved drafts of the master plan, which I thought, well, Jesus, doesn't that make some sense? Which I thought, good for them. So I, the, the entire point of my comment is, at one point in time, I was uncomfortable or at least obviously apprehensive about the consultant, obviously world, number one, and number two, Cushing Terrell, my level of confidence has gone up considerably so and i'm just sharing
0: that for you
4: yeah and and i'll also share um i mean i've definitely have had my issues here and there um you know but that's just managing consultants but i think we're in really good shape and we absolutely are driving the bus and um and you know what i convey to them through you or through the county commissioners, or just how I think that uh, the process should go, um, you know, is is absolutely in our hands. So, um, so that's something you know for us to keep in mind. Um, to Steve's point, as you know, obviously it was, um, you know, there was a lot of back and forth on whether you know we needed a consultant or not. We absolutely did. Um, You know, just from a capacity standpoint, um, it's still a lot of work. I mean, even with having consultants on, I mean, probably why I'm like, so run down at this point, but I'm glad that most of the outreach is is over because there's a lot behind the scenes that, you know, we have to be prepared for. so there's that, um, I can share with you and speaking with Dave Dixon, who is the, the lead um, project and, and he's been great to work with. Um, so they are doing the Carbondale plan, uh, which is really interesting. Um, so he was just sharing with me um, that what that process looks like right now. And it is a very limited scope of what they're doing. And he was just saying how challenging it is. Um, and if you recall, that was one of the conversations on the onset of this, you know, is you know that there was some planning commissioners, you know that strongly felt that you know we should have a limited scope. And um, and I did not think that was appropriate, um, especially when we have a 20 year old plan. You know, you you can't do a limited scope on a 20 year old plan versus Carbondale where their plan is only five years old. So like there was just a couple of chapters where they felt, but even with that, um, how it's so difficult to manage um, and, and trying to really not touch anything else and you're given like really strict bookends and also a community who wants to talk about everything else and not feeling like that they're being heard. So I think it was absolutely the right decision for us to go through this robust process where, you know, what I'm finding out, you know, and I think we are all all seeing, I think there was maybe a fear that if we open it up, like, okay, we're gonna turn urban and the whole county is gonna change. And, um, you know, that's obviously not happening. And I really don't feel at this point and i you know and i said this early on that our overall philosophy and the master plan is going to change it's just we have to address our current issues and our current demographics and you know and, and we have to have those conversations whether or not what we hear from the community ends up in the plan is 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 another thing, you know. But you do have to have people feel like you want to be heard because that has been our ultimate goal to make sure that not only that we get a robust inbox. <laughs> <I'm> telling you, <laughs> um, you know, to make sure that we have this robust outreach process. But it's also the quality of the input that we're getting. It's not just bodies, you know. I just don't want people to show up you know, and be like, Oh, that was a good outreach. It's it's You, most of you have been to these events and have heard and, um, heard the feedback and the input that we're getting. And it's actually valuable information that we're getting. So, so I'm definitely happy about that. And then secondly, is this, this notion that, um, and this came on later, just going through this process and noticing siloed everybody is, you know, every agency, there's so many different projects going on and nobody's talking to each other. And, um, and so that's been one of my goals is, you know, through this process and using the master plan as that platform to, you know, network and to share our ideas and find out what other plans, you know, what information we can use or consider or vice versa and help leverage some of those other projects that are going on. Um, I don't think that, they all will be in the master plan. And like, if we're talking about wildfire, for example, we heard a lot of that the other night, and there's, that's going to be a conversation we will have uh, if it's appropriate or not to be in the master plan. My, my, you know, feeling is, you know, more broad recommendations in the master plan, whereas there's going to be a while right now I'm on the committee, there is a wildfire mitigation plan that will be coming out for the county. And that is gonna be appropriate and be the place where the details, you know, and recommendations will be. But through our action items, you know, that, um, and we'll go through like what this will look like in uh, when we meet next, but it will be through the master plan and our action items where we can say, hey, you know, uh, we, we can refer to those other plans and, um, and help support those other efforts. Um, one of the other ideas I was thinking after this stagecoach meeting is I mean, we, we go through this every year, but to have some sort of action item that the county holds, you know, whether it's an annual or what have you meeting with the property owner association, the water district, and the county to discuss stagecoach and allow people just to, I mean, everybody wants to like, feel like they're heard. And it's part of, I feel like an educational component that, you know, we can have those conversations with people that don't understand why the status of stagecoach is the way that it is. You know, why are there no roads in the South area? And, you know, just check in if you will. So these are just some of the things that I'm thinking about that would be appropriate. in the master plan, but we can have that like more robust discussion about you know what should be included in the master plan and not um, the next time we meet when we review. Are it. you incorporating
5: that comment about uh, the counties being taken over by communists that was leveled in South? <laughs> is that is that being factored into <laughs> this revision?
4: I'll I'll, I'll see um, if that makes it into the community assessment report or not.
5: I mean, it was it was. It goes to the point, I think Beth Melton made that point as well, um, and I supported it, like you still, you need to hear from everyone, and the fact that you actually got that comment from someone kind of proves the success of your outreach because you really did get all ends of the spectrum (laughs) as far
4: as responses. Yeah. And, and the community assessment report won't have every little detail, right. But it is documented, right. We have all the documentation from every event, you know, and metrics that we have used, you know, um, to obtain our outreach. So it's all there, but it's like, you know, we we've talked about the Steamboat Springs area community plan and the 150 action items that plan has. And it was like, anything that anybody suggested to appease people, they just put it in the plan. And, you know, that that's not efficient. It's, it, that doesn't work, you know? So, um, that, that's just something that, you know, we will have to go through that process. Um, so, with that, um, I just wanted to, um, I guess, should we close this meeting? I know this was just a discussion and then we'll just go to administrators. You a quick it be, yeah.
6: I think so too. Um, unless there's something you know you, you need to add, but I don't think so. Nope, so yeah, once you do our administrator's report, then we move on.
4: We'll um, move out, okay? Um, so we have um, two items on for the 17th. And I have been telling you, we have applications knocking on our door, Um, so now you're starting to see them. So we have a special use permit and we have a conditional use permit. One's for a rec facility um, and the other is for a composting facility, which would be a conditional use permit. Those are both scheduled for the 17th. Then we have on the third, a conditional use permit for a cell tower. Um, outside of Hayden. Um, And we could still have um, another application because we only require the two weeks notification now. So um, we'll let you know what that agenda looks like. And then I will coordinate with the consultant team to see when in March we can schedule this um, community assessment uh, discussion with you all. Um, So based
6: on what you think you know, with the 17th, be uh, in-person meeting
4: So that would be my next course of action so oh, we have been yep so we've been given um, the um, authority to move forward with in person so they've left, um, they've opened up all our meeting rooms and that would be up to you um, and everybody's comfort level if you would like to go back to in person um, starting on the 17th or would you be more comfortable waiting to um, the third? Do we want to pull that right now? Uh sure.
6: I'm in favor of in person. Linda, in person. That was Bill. Linda, in person.
2: Normally oh. I would say in person I won't be here, so if I can participate by phone, I would like to be able to do that, but I know I won't be here, so.
0: Okay.
2: But normally I like in person.
4: Good. Yeah if it if you're not if we're so it looks like the majority is in person so we can definitely set that up um we had said initially and that was before we were really going to a zoom you know at the onset of uh this format um that we didn't really want to do hybrid um the commissioners do do hybrid um for now Uh, Yeah, they have been doing hybrid for quite some time. Um, This is completely um, your decision, um, whether, you know, if you would want or allow um, people to um, call in if they couldn't make it. But um, any thoughts on that?
6: I have an opinion and it kind of goes along these lines. I prefer one way or the other. I'm not a real proponent of the hybrid because I just think it it's awkward. It can make a meeting even yeah. more awkward than it is. So to that extent, that's my position.
4: Greg and Brian? Brian
6: was
8: first.
1: Well, I'm okay with Hopefully hybrid. I-, I don't think we should do it very long term, uh, but as a transitional thing, i I don't have an issue with it.
8: <laughs> Greg. my question is with the public are we gonna shut off uh, any kind of hybrid for public comment and stuff like that because i think that's valuable i can understand with the board members and uh having kind of issues and different things where you would want everybody to be in one or the other but i thought it was still valuable for public uh, comments and stuff like that i'm glad you brought that
4: up greg the intent and in our initial discussion was about just board members um, one way or the other. Um, we would still allow the public to call in to make comments um, as we did before. That doesn't seem to be the issue. I think the concern was really about you all interacting with each other and being able to see the same thing all at once. And um, so that was really what that conversation was about. And that would be my recommendation.
0: Okay, uh, I was making sure that was the case. Thank you.
4: Yeah. No, thanks for the clarification uh who has their hand raised here oh james
6: um uh yeah i favor in person certainly
1: and and think that's far away the favorite approach for a public body um but if you're going to allow hybrid for the public it seems not, not unreasonable to allow members who are out of town or otherwise unable to attend in person to also participate hybridly.
4: yeah Um, I think that since we've been in this format, um, you know, I, I think it could still work, um, you know, but I don't think it would be good practice that we, um, allow for that. I mean, there are exceptions, but it wouldn't be, you know, um, something that would be all the time, the same people, you know, who are, you know, um, like if you're gonna be on vacation, as an example, or if you are sick, for example, and you don't wanna get everybody else sick, but not sick enough that you can't participate type thing. Um, but again, um, I would allow you all to um, make that call after we've been in this format for quite some time. Can, can we be... You're muted.
0: You muted Steve. Sorry, sorry. Um, can we be a bit clear though, that if we're going
6: to do a hybrid for the public comment, it's only interim and to use Brian's word, maybe a transition period. So I still am not, I don't, strikes me to prior to COVID and the virus and what have you, the system worked pretty well if you wanted to make comment you know, then you probably want to meet with us or send it in writing. Uh Now we're offering a third option to make life a little bit easier for them, but I'm not sure that that's really what we want to do. But that's my opinion. Again, I'm not against it necessarily for transition, but it just seems to me that to keep things moving along smoothly, eventually when we get back to the way it was, which was these are in-person meetings if you have a comment that you wish to make, there's a public comment portion in all the petitions and you really need to be there so we can see you. And again, that's my opinion.
4: Yeah, yeah. Jim, go ahead.
1: I support Steve. I think it's a transitional approach because we've all been so long dealing with things remotely through Zoom and, 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 and absent participation as we move into a more traditional conventional and, and standard approach of uh, in-person. The, the meeting format in my view should equally transition back. So I view it as a transition period, but eventually we get to a point where we did it like we always done it. And that's, the, that's the protocol. I think Steve put it right.
4: Perfect, thank you. Uh, Brian or Greg, I don't know who is first.
1: Oh, just a quick comment. It seems like one of the biggest problems we've had with hybrid is operation of the YAL. You know, that, that doesn't always seem to go real well. And that would take some redoing. But once again, I, or some revisiting, I don't think it's a good format long term to say be hybrid six or eight months from here for pulling out of COVID. Right, right.
8: Um, yeah.
1: But, well,
6: Brian, that's the same as saying it's a transition.
8: Yep.
4: Perfect. Uh, Greg.
8: To me, I really think we need the direction from what the county commissioners are doing for public comment. If there's an expectation that there's public comment through a Zoom on um, for the county commissioners, we should be doing the same thing as them because uh, people will have that expectation. I can understand with the board and stuff like that that we can make those decisions ourselves, but I think we should follow whatever the commissioners are doing
4: to have some sort of consistency while you're at it, Greg, um, what is the city's policy right now?
8: I think it's hybrid. It's yeah. uh, gonna be um, a lot, all of our meetings, including like uh, the his, uh, the um, BOA and uh, the historic preservation meetings and that kind of stuff have all been going so that we can try it as much as possible get it into the main room so that we can have the format to be hybrid uh continuing on for all 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 the
4: commissions and there has been no discussion as it just being a transitional period as of right now
8: i think they're very keen to keeping it kind of the hybrid way they're spending a lot of money on it so I, i would be assuming that they are
4: yeah I mean, I guess I would propose after hearing all your comments that we can continue as a transitional period, but continue to check in right and see, okay, things are finally going back to some sort of normalcy here and I think we should be consistent with you know definitely the county commissioners, Um, I haven't gotten word yet on on if they intend to have this be forever or my, my thing is, I, my thought is that they are reevaluating, you know, um,
7: can I can I just throw something out. And this is just my experience as a guy who's trying to keep track of what everybody's doing in these meetings. <laughs> Go ahead, um, Sarah. <laughs> is that uh, a county commissioner's meeting is really different in terms of their being hybrid because there's three of them. There can be as many of a, as 11 of you guys. And if some people are in the room and some people are um, remote, I think that's okay for public comment, but I'm not sure that I, as a person keeping track of what's going on in the meeting, could really say that I'm in favor of a hybrid board.
4: You're underestimating yourself, Sarah.
7: Well, it's not just underestimating. It's, it's also just that I, I notice in a hybrid situation that the people in the room are commu- are communicating on a different level than the people that are hybrid. And yeah. I just think with this many people, especially if there's a lot of people in public, that it just doesn't work as a communication um, you know way. I yeah. think it's okay for the public to be uh, remote for providing public comment and whatnot but I think if the board is going to be in person, the whole board has to be in person. So, so that, that's my opinion based on the way that people communicate with each other.
4: Yeah, and that would go back to our initial intent and what our policy was. So, um, I mean, I guess I would propose, you know, um, that we go back to all in person the um, public could call in transitionally, and we can reevaluate. Um, you know, monthly of hey, is that working for us? Or you know, we can reconsider that and whether we just you know one day pull the whole thing.
6: I think that's a reasonable approach.
4: Okay, Brian, did you have a comment or yeah, was your hand? Just, up? Just a, a point. In fact, uh, when
1: I was on the school board, and they changed the state law to allow uh, school board members to attend remotely, but it was limited in terms of the number of meetings you could attend remotely. So, it was limited to like three in a year, something like that, so that you didn't encourage people, you know, didn't encourage a hybrid mode by, by
0: regulation, by statute. Okay, I think I don't want to. Yeah, I don't. Wanna, I, yeah,
6: no. I still think to support Sarah's position, the commissioners need to be there in person. I think that makes the most sense. I'm okay with a transition period uh, for the public comment, but I still think it's in everyone's best interest if we're there. And hey, we've got 11 board. No, we've got 10 board members. Um, if someone's on vacation, they ought to be on vacation. <laughs>
4: Hear that, Linda? <laughs>
6: yeah. So there you go.
4: <laughs> you don't need to earn extra points. <laughs> no, I
6: mean nobody's going to give you extra credit for that. So. <laughs>
4: um, okay, I don't want to drag this out anymore. Nope. Um, so, but um, is, is I've attended
2: more meetings by Zoom because of just when I was appointed. I than I've ever gotten to attend in person. So I really do favor in person. It just happens that on the 17th, I will be gone. So that's okay.
4: Uh, it's, it's fine. Your, your attendance is stellar anyway. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay. So, um, with that, um, the, the last, the last item, um, Some of you got a letter from former county, uh, a former planning commissioner um, about his thoughts about um, the master plan Uh, that would be Troy. Um, And I feel I just I want to share that with everybody, um, just to be transparent. Uh, But when you read the letter, um, some of the things we talked about here tonight. Um, we'll just say Troy is being very passionate as we all know that he is about his strong feelings of how things should go. Please keep that in mind. Um, when you, uh, read, you know, the letter, uh, um, email that is, um, and, you know, there are things I definitely support on what he says. Um, and, you know, his concerns about some of the wildlife, uh, wildlife concerns that came up and wildfire, um, you know, let's see, you know, protection of our rural areas. I think most of us probably would agree with some of those sentiments. Um, but then there are some other strong opinions just about, um, you know, the master plan and what, um, you know, what its job should be um, and strong thoughts about just the city and the county, as I'm sure those of you that served with Troy have heard in the past. Um, So take that as you will. Well, I think,
6: and I think, Christy, you you touched on it, but I think Troy did a nice job of, of presenting to the commissioners his thoughts about the master plan process. I think that I view his thoughts as you know, part of the comments that we've gotten at some of the outreach meetings. And so commissioners need to review it and take a peek at it. And those things that they think maybe bear further discussion, we'll have those discussions at some point down the road.
8: Yeah, uh, Greg, go ahead. My question is, I would probably think if one of us as an comm- active commissioner right now it would be probably pretty inappropriate for us to kind of share in that kind of format and not in like a public uh, entity like it is right now. Our thoughts and processes like that. Would you agree with that? That we shouldn't be like sharing emails and that, and that we should wait until a meeting to we could just you know read our email to everybody at that time, but we shouldn't be doing uh, something like that if we're a commissioner. Sure.
0: That's absolutely uh, true. Yeah.
7: Yes. <laughs> Statutorily, that's absolutely true. Yes.
4: Yeah. And 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 the fact that it was, you know, just sent to a couple of you, um, you know, versus not all. That's that's why I'm bringing it up. I want to be transparent. I think I can summarize, you know, what was said. Um, and I think you know, you all just need to um, be aware that this. As any, if I got a letter from any buddy related to this process.
6: I don't even I think you need to summarize what's being said. I think merely distributed to the commissioners. Yeah. Are you going to forward the, it? Yes, she is.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I yeah, guess. That's the Andy. whole
6: point of discussion, yeah. I think. Cool.
4: Yeah. So I'm just bringing it yeah. up because it was only sent to three of you, I believe. And, um and we always want to be transparent and, you know, and statutorily, as Sarah mentioned and Craig mentioned, just you know, said that word. <laughs> Yep. So, um, so that will be coming, but I just wanted to give a little context, um, uh, about that. So, um, all right. Thank you very much for your time. Good discussion. And, um, I look forward to the 17th, get back to some land use applications. Keep up the keep up. Everybody, have a good
6: evening. We're
0: adjourned. Thank you. Thank have you. A
4: good night. Thanks,
0: Thank everybody. You. Good job, Christian. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Done. Done.